Grand Touring Motorsports started as a social group of car enthusiasts, but we've expanded into all sorts of motorsports disciplines, and we want to share our stories with you. Years of racing, wrenching, and motorsports experience brings together a top-notch collection of knowledge and information through our podcast, Break Fix. All right, you guys ready for this? We're going to do it again. Yeah. Set against the backdrop of post-war Italy, Lamborghini, the man behind the legend, mirrors the complex transformation of Ferruccio Lamborghini's homeland from his modest beginnings building tractors to the infamous rivalry he shared with Enzo Ferrari. His unparalleled genius made him a true icon in the automobile industry. However, his passions also ignited emotional turmoil in his personal life, which was full of both romance and tragedy. Told through a tightly constructed narrative style and imaginative visual design, this film is the true story of the man behind the machine. And with that, let's welcome back Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies, as well as our executive producer of The Drive Through Tanya and Mountain Man Dan for this, what is going to be a beautiful crossover review of Lamborghini, the man behind the legend. Yeah. <laughs> yes i am steve from everything i learned from movies hey everybody izzy couldn't make it due to a last minute scheduling conflict but she did send a message oh. she would like me to read for everybody it says quote this was a movie and then it goes into caps how dare they make lamborghinis boring fuck that noise go watch ford v ferrari instead end quote well, that about sums it up. So that's yes. our shortest episode ever. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Try the veal. We're here all week. Where do we even start with this dumpster fire? We needed Brad here so he could sing Lowered Expectations. <laughs> lowered Expectations. No problem. Steve could do it. Yeah, see, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So you guys mentioned this movie. I didn't even know this thing existed until you had mentioned it. It says it was released in November. Where? I don't remember seeing anything about it. Was it even released in theaters? Straight to Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah, Amazon Prime and then Vudu picked it up. And that's the only two places you can find this thing at the moment. That's more than enough. I did a little research into this movie because, you know, not hearing about it, it's like, okay, maybe it's like a visionary director from writer-director Bobby Moresco. Any of you guys know who that is? I do not. Well, who is that? I'll give you a hint. He wrote a couple episodes of that Lance Henriksen TV show Millennium back in the day that was awesome. Oh, really? And then he wrote Academy Award-winning movie Crash. This is an Academy Award-winning writer and director of Crash. And then also did like the TV series Crash spinoff. Some movie called Tenth and Wolf that apparently was pretty good. Created a couple TV shows that lasted a season called The Black Donnellys and A Hundred Code. So what you're saying is he made Crash and then that's basically... <laughs> you get that award, you know, you, you can keep it forever, right, Nick Cage? <laughs> okay, he also did a Colin Quinn comedy special in 2019. In 2018, there was a Carl Urban movie called Bent that also had Sofia Vergara and Andy Garcia in it. Never heard of it. And this. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, he might have been better off just going to Nicolas Cage's house and talking to him about his Lamborghini. If Nicolas Cage played Enzo Ferrari in this movie instead of Gabriel Byrne and his goddamn Scottish accent. Thank you. I'm so proud of this beautiful car. It's like a dream. What are you doing? 
Ferrari, he stands like he owns the world. You see my Cavallino with my name on my own car? It's beautiful. He does. Thank you. Of all the people on the planet to play Enzo Ferrari. It would have been horrible, but we could have at least gotten like, I don't know, Al Pacino or Marlon Brando. I don't know. He's dead. The other one, the (laughs) old man is in everything. De Niro? Yes, De Niro. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's like the other guy in The Godfather. Like there was like more than three. I know everybody who could possibly be adjacent Italian was in Godfather. (laughs) They could have used a regular Italian. They could have also recast the guy from Ford versus Ferrari who looked like Enzo. Gabriel Byrne and Robert Carlyle looked more similar than he does to Enzo. It's like, it's so bizarre. And he didn't even try to put on an affect or an accent or anything. I mean, the acting was just so subpar. Ladies and gentlemen, there are more Academy Award winners in this movie because Mira Sorvino shows up as the second wife for the second half of the movie when they decide to just change actors halfway through. Has she done anything in the last 20 years? Since Romy and Michelle's high school reunion? I'm sure she has. I mean, it's probably stuff I haven't watched. And of course, Frank Grillo, obviously he's going to play Ferruccio Lamborghini, you know, the guy from all the action movies. The only similarity he has to Ferruccio Lamborghini is the pompadour hairdo that they gave him because any mobster lounge singer from Las Vegas in the 70s could have easily played the part of Ferruccio Lamborghini in this movie. Yeah, this movie starts with questionable, but hey, you never know. It could turn out to be a really good movie. I mean... As ridiculous as the accents were on House of Gucci, allegedly it's a good movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but, you know, you Lady Gaga and Adam Driver and stuff doing the Baba Booey, Baba Booey. Yeah, well, Jared Leto's in there, apparently. At least Lady Gaga has some Italian heritage, so I'll give her that. Oh, okay. Well. That was it for that movie. At least Frank Grillo, and I guess Mira Sorvino, technically. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, <laughs> At <yeah>. some point. <laughs> Yeah, I I do like that they weren't going like full Mario and Luigi with the accents. I mean, obviously Gabriel Byrne just did whatever. But they weren't even trying because I think those younger actors were actually maybe like Italians. I'm like, you have the worst accents. Looking at the cast, everybody else in this movie is like Italian. Like their names are like... (laughs) They all end in vowels, yeah. Enzo Scarapucci or, you know, it's it's like a a goddamn menu looking at the cast, right? (laughs) Do you like your spaghetti with meatballs or without, you know? Good Lord. (laughs) You guys may be wondering, how much do I have to pay to watch this if I want to watch it tonight? (sighs) It was six bucks on Amazon. It wasn't a lot on Vudu either. So it's not like we're breaking the bank to watch this. To your point, it was captivating. It's like, there's plenty of movies about Ferrari. There's plenty of stuff about Porsche and, and other races and whatnot. But when you see... Lamborghini. It's like, oh my God, we got, we got to check this out. Like, sexy. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you're like, so I got to give it some credit, despite the weird race, which we'll talk about as we go along. The opening scene, the flashback to Cento, Italy, you know, which is a suburb outside of Modena and things like that. I was like, cool, this is going to be a neat little, like, we're going to start at the beginning and we're going to work through this and, and so on. It fell apart. Like, almost right away. You mentioned the race. Like, we start off and we see aged Frank Grillo with the chalk in his hair and Gabriel Byrne. They're, like, in their respective Lamborghinis and Ferraris at a random red light. Start that race. We're going to cut back to this just randomly for, like, 10 seconds throughout the movie. Like, anytime it's, like, scene change, we're going to get a couple seconds of that. And maybe even the same one from the last scene change. Oh, you noticed that, too? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but wait, do we address the elephant in the movie now or do no. we wait? We wait. We wait. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's a lot of continuity problems with this movie. You have to be more specific for me, but yeah. <laughs> There's a thing that happens in that scene that like you should just end watching the movie. All right. So I have to ask because I'm not in any way knowledgeable of the history of Lamborghini. So how much of this was true? Because from someone who has no knowledge, oh. it wasn't hateful for this what it was, I guess, presenting as a biopic. But I was like, I don't know how much it... Why do you want to wait, Eric, to not cover this? I mean, this just sets the tone for the whole movie. Just go go for it, e- Eric, I don't know, but can I guess at how much of it is true? Sure. Go ahead, Steve. I was surprised that Ferruccio Lamborghini didn't direct this movie. <laughs> I assume maybe it was his son, like, actually wrote it and like, no, no, I need an Academy Award winner guy to help out, blah, blah, blah. Because it's a weird tone, though, because... This is what happens when writers stop writing and they use chat GPT to develop a screenplay. No, for a movie. no, 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 no. Chat GPT would have gotten this right because when chat <laughs> GPT goes in what year did Enzo Ferrari die? It would have found the answer to be 1988, making it impossible for Enzo Ferrari to be racing in Lamborghini 92. in 19 effing 92. Oh my God. Really? Yes. The ghost of Enzo was in that Ferrari, apparently. <laughs> oh my god. Ferruccio Lamborghini died in nineteen ninety-three, a year after the supposed drag race occurred between him and Enzo. Well, that makes sense because spoiler alert, at the end of this movie, apparently that was all a fucking dream. I assume a Jacob's Ladder situation. He just imagined it on death's door. He also was 95 when he died. So he was a <laughs> damn good looking 94 year old in that yeah, scene. Yeah, that was a sexy 90 year old right there. Wait, Woo. wait, wait, wait. Ferrari was 95? No, no, Ferrari was dead for four years. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Wait, so he was 45 during World War II? When he came back for World War II? Enzo Ferrari, most people don't realize, was born in the 1800s. Oh, okay, okay. But wow, wow. Ferruccio was in his 80s when he yeah, died. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What Still. brings that full circle to Dan's point about how accurate this is, if you did what Tanya and I did, which was painstakingly sit through the credits, there's actually a blurb at the end of the movie that basically oh, no. says... All of this is fake. All of this is made up. All characters are fictitious and are not based in any reality. Pretty much. Because it's not officially licensed, sponsored by Ferrari or Lamborghini. And I mean, it's got this big disclaimer at the end. Then how can they use the fucking logo? Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. All right. So chapter one, dreams. World War II, I guess, just wrapped up. We're in Cento, Italy. Some, I don't know, 18-year-old kid hops off the bus returning home to his palatial vineyard. (laughs) But apparently he was in his mid-40s when this happened. And Italy at that time would have been just decimated. Oh, yeah. Post-World War II, especially right at the brink, it was famine. I mean, our grandparents, as an example, they left Italy because there was nothing. And they were in the breadbasket of Italy where all this took place. Now, obviously, Enzo started his company, you know, Ferrari in 1947. So they were making progress, rebuilding was happening, reconstruction was happening, but it was not this beautiful vineyard in Napa Valley that they showed in the movie. And let's fact correct, so we're not as bad as the movie, because I was misspeaking and confusing Enzo Lamborghini, Ferrucci Ferrari. 
so he was Lamborghini was 77 when he died so he was 29 at the end of World War II okay late 20s all right I'll buy it (laughs) but the kid in this movie looks like he's 18 you know he's probably like 21 22 or something but it's totally like fresh face like oh I'm going to propose to my first girlfriend it's going to be a great (laughs) that is not quite that bad of an accent but We were trying to figure that out as well. Was she German? The actress was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the accent was very wrong. It was yeah, very wrong. access powers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to make her stand out. I mean, whatever. Different parts of Italy. You can make arguments. There are blondes in Italy, but a lot Wait, of them are brunettes. Why would she have been on the run there in the, the mid 40s, though? Like yeah. just hiding out there in Italy? Yeah. <laughs> So yes, he comes home to open arms. Yeah, including his father, who owns this palatial vineyard. And the family is doing quite well for what should be a war-ravaged Italy. <laughs> but he's trying to find his purpose and basically like, hey, I'm going to build some tractors. All right, cool. Half the price and twice the power. It's I can engineer it. I, I did it in the war. Okay, cool, cool. So that's where the first inconsistency starts with me. I could be corrected by our listeners, but the way I understood the story, the beginnings of Lamborghini and why he wanted to build the tractor was because he had gone to Ferrari, who was already building tractors, and he wouldn't sell Ferruccio a tractor. So he said, screw it, I'll build my own. Did Ferruccio not have money? That part of the story I don't know, but what I understand about the rivalry between Ferrari and Lamborghini is it started much earlier. And a lot of people are like, wait, Ferrari built tractors? Well, I got news for you. We did an episode on this. Porsche built tractors too, because back in those days, post-World War II, the only companies under all these rules, especially with American occupation, was that engineering companies or auto manufacturers were the only ones that could build that type of equipment. Yeah. Makes sense. Here we go again, right? So there's already this inconsistency here with the racing stuff and and the tractors <laughs> and whatnot. I'm like, whatever. How's he going to finance starting this tractor company? Uh, first, I got the winner of this first race, but it's not going to be me. It's going to be my friend Matteo. And, you know, I'm just going to help him build a car. It's going to be great. But we don't have a car. I know I'm going to build it. But what was the whole thing like? How, how are you going to pay for it? It's like, you know, a, a man who has no debt has no reason to work. Yeah, I was like, I was like what? That, that's an interesting idea. Okay, all right, all right, I get it. You know, it's funny because I'm fact checking some of this. Oh no! In that BS racing scene, where then like he's like ripping the steering wheel out of the other guy's hand, yeah. and like I'm like, how? What the? Oh my god! Never mind. <laughs> Apparently, that never happened. But what he did do is build that car and then entered it into the Mila Miglia race in 1948. Ah, that's not what that race was no No, not at all that was like a race around the church (laughs) yeah 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 this was like the church cookout oh by the way we're gonna have the kids race go-karts kind of a setup (laughs) because up until that point i was like all right suspension of disbelief we're gonna take some artistic license i turned to tanya immediately when i saw the porsche and the benz and i said those cars are wrong and she's like what do you mean and i said that 356 is like a 356B from like the late 50s, early 60s. That Mercedes, the 300 SL convertible they were using, that car didn't even come out until 1952 and it didn't look like that. So I was like, this is all freaking wrong. And that's where it just, again, started to completely fall apart. This movie had such potential. <laughs> <laughs> You see what I mean about the W194 big grill and logo and that no bumpers, no nothing. Yeah. I don't remember what it looked like in the movie, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like a W194. No, it doesn't. No, no. 
but I'd have to watch it again. But that would mean I'd have to watch the movie again. Nope. So no, I'm not do no, that. no, don't nope. do that. No, nope. not worth it. <laughs> After they lose that race because he just yanks the fucking wheel for some reason, I don't even know why. He's like, you're going to miss the turn. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm fucking driving. They're like, oh, no, dude, miss it. Ah, and they go off the road, whatever. One more thing about that race. It's a lot like trading paint. Did they go over 20 miles an hour at any point? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> they did do a little bit of Fast and Furious shifting constantly, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have, like, the 12-gear engines, like a semi-truck or anything. <laughs> oh, no. It was so terrible. I don't know what was worse, the modern race or that race. But we'll go back to the modern race many times over. Oh, we will. Ferrari's, like, a they're at race day to, like, announce, we want to uh, go congratulate everybody but it's like he's full fucking scottish like it's like all right boy oh we've got a fun race day ahead of you oh, <laughs> so bad top of the morning <laughs> yeah so then uh i don't know it's 1946 you just said something important steve 1946 uh-huh. but i was confused about the year and i wrote it down several times and i have some notes actually is it 46 is it 47 or 48 yes and the reason yeah. i ask is they say enzo's about to start his company da, 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 da. that happened in 47 he was still mm-hmm. with with alfa romeo and all that stuff up until that point but then if you looked at the newspaper in the background it said 1948 so yeah. which is it there was like this whole inconsistency and the new year's was like going into 1946 i think somebody said so it's like was the race really that long is that how long it took to do like 250 miles is like 18 months shouldn't have no by no <laughs> it just made no sense at all so here we are to your point new year's we're with the girlfriend I, at first i thought they were singing karaoke or something because they were just up there like with the band singing and blah 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 and i'm like wait was lamborghini also like part of a musical troupe like singing uh big band songs or something that's like oh no it's just a new year's thing and blah 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 i, I turned to tanya and i said where's the accordion <laughs> was missing it's northern italy there's got to be a squeeze box in this band i mean it's it's not right and the girlfriend's german she has to have one doesn't seem period appropriate not to have it exactly <laughs> but yeah we get the whole like oh i, I love you forever me and my my single friend mateo we're, we're like a a, a thruple we're it'd be nothing but happy days forever and ever and i'm like all right one of them's dying soon and the other one's just gonna leave i don't not sure which is which because i don't know the story but i know this story i'm not trying to be like whatever but i think he was in a relationship with his nose because they cast the guy with the biggest schnoz they could find that sort of looked and sounded italian to play this mateo guy did you notice he turned and i was like holy crap it's adrian brody like it's like yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah the mateo friend I, I actually like had to look it up like is that adrian brody i mean it looks too young but yeah <laughs> oh yeah so then we cut forward to sometime and uh the girlfriend's like walking in with breakfast and i'm like wait it's 9 p.m breakfast for like late dinner kind of a thing i don't know it was weird but somewhere in that breakfast they got married right because <laughs> it's suddenly apparently they lost the race and it's like oh cool you lost a race whatever you have to get money some other way i don't know believe in your dreams and then he's like well i had this idea about a rowing machine you know so people can work out and stuff and i'm like is this a thing <laughs> nordic track by lamborghini yeah. Also, and he pulls out, oh, God, what were those things Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley sold in the 80s? Bowflex. Bowflex, that's it. Yeah. What about your rowing machine idea? That was a good one. Nobody needs to lose weight. All the women got skinny during the war. I might need one in, uh, I don't know, eight, nine months. 
I said, I might need a weight loss machine in about nine months. I heard you. I will think again. She's having a baby, you fool. What? <laughs> yeah, so then he goes to uh, the Banca de Santo. And he's standing outside the bank looking at it. I just see, like, in his head, like, he's looking at it like, this looks like a bank. Like, that's the only thing I can assume he's contemplating with that expression on his face, looking at the bank. It's like, huh, ain't that weird? There's a bank here. <laughs> next to the church, next to where you're building the tractor, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it is Italy, so everything would be next to each other. What do you need a car for when you can walk? That's how it works, right? They deny him. So then he goes to talk to his dad. His dad, who has this palatial vineyard <laughs> that is, I guess, been in the family since the 8th century or something. I don't know what. But he's like, Dad, I need money. And then the dad leaves and comes back with one of those, like, Danish cookie tins. Right? <laughs> that I expect him to open and have, like, a bunch of spools of yarn and shit or something in there. <laughs> a little bit of thread like i noticed your uh, suit was a little shabby i thought i'd pitch that up for you no yeah, right <laughs> but instead it's a bunch of cash and i love how uh Ferruccio's response is just like it's not enough dad it's not enough so he mortgages his family's farm for i guess enough money to make one tractor and i'm like okay so he's a selfish dick <laughs> I mean, it's a huge risk for sure. That's what his wife thought. The, the wife is the voice of reason. She's like, that's very selfish. You need to take this money back now and give it to your father. And he's like, I don't think it works that way. And I'm like, you know, he's got a point there too. I don't think that's how it works. He's go back to the bank, kind of back and like, look, on second thought, never mind, guys. <laughs> On top of the fact of that, like during that time, I can't imagine how stressful making payments post-war would have been yeah. a fresh mortgage. It's like the timing of that is like complete insanity when I was watching. It's like, what are they thinking? Not only that, what money was there to borrow? Italy was yeah. bankrupt. I don't get it. Oh, you could get wheelbarrows of that stuff. It just didn't mean anything. Uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, it looked like the vibe of the town. And like when you went to the bank and everything, it was as if there had been no war that devastated an entire country and countries. I will say they did paint the picture that it was like the Dolce Vita times, like the early 60s where they had reconstructed and life was turning around and things were good and Northern Italy was doing what it does to keep things going, especially for food and for industry and all that. But war-torn Italy, barely a year, let's say, after the war was over, everybody was destitute. Here's another part of the movie that I was waiting to come in at this point too, because it's the family farm. We know he has brothers that work on the farm and like all these other people. The farm has been mortgaged. The brothers and sisters and everything have nothing to say on the subject. Nope, they're not even in the movie other than nope. like in the background plucking grapes and shit. Oh, they so. ran out of money for that part of the cast. They had to dismiss yeah. all them. So for me, like, we started building the tractor. I'm curious how he could market something that was just other companies' parts that he hodgepodge together to create it. This is Italy. Well, I don't know why you're asking that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, man. Seriously? How, how dare you talk about eBay that way? <laughs> they went to a, a salvage yard and got like a truck chassis and cut it down. I think they did bend some tins for like the hood and stuff. Now, when we do get to the part where he is building the tractor and he, uh, suddenly he can afford a garage in the middle of town across from the church that they raced around and all that, that mock-up that they built in there, if you look up the history of Lamborghini tractors, does look like the original Lamborghini tractor. So whether or not the final product in the movie was one from a museum or something like that, neither here nor there, I didn't even bother to look. That at least they got right. It wasn't like, oh, we got a John Deere and spray it orange 
which I took issue with the spray guns that they were using and the air compressors and like, oh, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) No, but apparently fact checking. So he was getting parts, however, he was getting them from some sort of government military entity. And so he was buying like old military stuff. And that's how he was making the tractors. And then the engines all came from Morris trucks. And in whatever that fuel thing is, like he actually like invented that himself. Yeah, I was, I was intrigued by the dual fuel, like starting it off one and switching to because I know some of the old farm malls are run like that. I wasn't sure how true that was, but it was definitely an interesting thing that they threw in there. You know, what I did appreciate is that he used copper and that's a family tradition. So now I see that it's an Italian thing. It comes from Lamborghini. <laughs> the use of copper in a vehicle, tractor, whatever. I mean, I was down on that. That was good. 100% full send with the copper. Yeah, always, always. So Steve, keep us going. Where are we at now in this this tragedy, romance, comedy that we're reviewing? <laughs> Wait, now listen to this to just muddle the timeline even more if this is true. And I quote, Lamborghini was taken prisoner when the island fell. He was on whatever island of Rhodes territory in the kingdom of Italy back then. When the island fell to the British at the end of the war in 1945 and was not able to return home until the next year. Just in time for New Year's Eve. So he wasn't even home till what, 1946? Hopped in a race car and built a tractor. Boom, all in one <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. It was a very busy 18 months once he got back had a kid didn't see a wedding new german wife but then his wife died in 1947 so oh shit oh my god what a mess oh shit you know what the tractor was it was a fucking time machine that's why it's so muddled it got all mixed around and so it like doesn't make sense really but it's like these are the (laughs) events as they happen but then you like would forward back to the future it was all part of a ponzi scheme i'm sure it's whatever he was breathing in on that orange paint whoever the writers were all they had to do was read wikipedia yeah To have gotten it like 80% correct. (laughs) And the whole thing about this movie is like, you know, the Ford V Ferrari came out a couple years ago. Great flick. Told a decent story. Yeah, they took some liberties with this and that, whatever. But this was supposed to be like, yeah, Lamborghini V Ferrari. That's not really the movie. Nope. It's more, how did Lamborghini be a dick his entire life, but become rich? And then, according to the story, made it all good in the end, in a way, or didn't. Who knows? Who cares? Like, Ferrari is a ridiculous side note in this movie, basically. They could have left Enzo out and it would have made a bit of difference at the end. With the fact that all of the facts and, like, details are so wrong on this, I didn't go to look to see if there were any reviews on this movie, but I'm curious if the only review would be on Snopes saying it's wrong. I've got a few. I've got critic reviews to uh, share with everybody, too. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As we get to the end and wrap this up. But you've now talked about the death of his wife. We're going there. So let's talk about the delivery of his son. Oh, my God. The most realistic and gory part of the film. I would have thought this part was a part of a Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi film. It was gross. I didn't understand why we needed to see like the red death like what is this oh it's pretty bad and you knew something like that was going to happen as soon as like you know our baby's being born tomorrow so you can't stay working late and you're like oh don't worry i won't guess what i would do take the day off my baby is being born what's going to happen in this tractor in six hours nothing he had to wait to get the emblem plate yeah no for the fucking emblem guess what it'll be there the next morning too so that was another thing that baffled me about it because back during that period it wasn't common for the fathers to be allowed in like the birthing areas and stuff so unless italy was different because i know in the u.s it wasn't a common thing till probably the late 60s early 70s where the men were 
welcome to come into the delivery room and stuff. Okay, I'll give you that. But still, just knowing he's there, like when she's screaming Ferruccio from the dungeon or whatever that she's bleeding to death <laughs> in, you at least hear back. I don't even remember what his wife's name is. Oh, Matilda, oh, it's okay. It's, it'll be okay. The doctor's all there for you. And then they squirt <laughs> more blood out onto the table. Oh, so nasty. Yes. So like, okay, she died. That's fine. It should be covered. However, that scene was so out of place with the rest of the movie. Uh -huh. I was like, why did you have to depict her dying in childbirth as if we were watching Saul? I was waiting for Grissom and the rest of the cast of CSI to come out at the same time. Like, I don't understand. It was so vivid. It was just Oh my God. It was like those sex ed health class birthing videos. I mean, it was just so dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> All this is immediately after there's a scene where he's hanging out with his buddy Mateo, like at a cafe. And there's the bus that comes through town every day. And there's this hot brunette chick that gets off. And Mateo's like, Oh, she's so beautiful. I'm already in love. You're like, Well, why don't you just go talk to her? It's like, I can't just talk to a woman. I'm like, This guy isn't fucking Italian. No. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen an Italian person that's like, I can't just talk to her. It's more, I can't possibly not talk to her. Even if it makes her incredibly uncomfortable, I'm going to talk to her just yeah. louder. So so they did the whole Cyrano de Bergerac trope. Go say hello. Why should I? Because you like her? Maybe she doesn't like me. You'll never know if you don't talk to her. You go over, you let your mouth move, and it says, hello. Anita, say hello to my friend Matteo. Hi. What he meant to say is, why don't you sit down and join us? Oh, I can't. I will be late for school. What What do you study? Economics. Oh, and Mateus, the greatest race car driver that the world has ever known. He knows more about engines than anyone else. Really? No. It was just so terrible. Like, oh, it's, Ferruccio's my wingman. It, oh, He's the was... greatest driver in all of Italy. No, I'm not. All right, well, my wingman duties are done here. You all have fun. And then she's like, I got to get the class. Bye. Oh, <laughs> so bad. Jump back to the birthing scene for just a moment. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. Oh, well, yes, please, please, let's do. <laughs> so after the birthing scene is all said and done with. Should have put a screenshot of that as my backdrop. No, <laughs> no. He ends up back with the tractor and he's like beating up the, the shop, right? Oh, he's fucking that place up. Just <laughs> Right? I mean, it's like he's looking for secrets or something. I don't know. He's turning tables over and then suddenly he's like, I'm going to beat the tractor. Where's because... the microfilm? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's like he's going to take it out on the tractor. What dawned on me in the middle of this, I turned to Tanya and I said, who's taking care of the kid? Yeah. Still in the hospital, I guess it. Yeah. His parents, because he lives at home. <sighs> the servants back at the vineyard. I just, I didn't know. But he was just born. I'm like, shouldn't you be there? No, you left and went back to no. the tractor? No, it, he's destroying everything around him. And he's just about to plow that tractor. And he's like, wait, brakes. Nope, can't do that. This is my livelihood. I've already lost my wife. I've got a baby that I don't even know what it is. I didn't even check if it's an innie or an Audi. I mortgaged my father's farm we're gonna lose the farm meanwhile six minutes later he sits down with mateo's girl that he can't make a move on he was like out having a smoke or something somewhere and she like came out to him she was beautiful she was everything now sit if you do i will let you here's what will happen and i'll only take what you have to give me because i need it and someday you will hate me for it no don't want mateo i want you ferruccio and i'm like why why because he's such a nice guy? Because he's got the smell of placenta on him still, probably? I don't know what. But she's like, no, you're so amazing and blah, blah, blah. I like how he's just basically just like, look, I don't give a fuck about you. Right? <laughs> 
And I'm like, well, apparently that's her type. So sure. <laughs> I was beside myself. I mean, that's, if even if that was real, yeah, it's ballsy. Why is it in this movie? Exactly. If it's trying to be like Lamborghini, this great visionary, blah, blah, blah. Totally doesn't give a fuck about anybody except for his dead wife. It may just be his excuse like, no, it was the one love. And now after that, all these bitches don't mean a thing to me. They made him out to be like the biggest tool on the planet. It's just yes. Like- the entire movie i don't get it but it makes sense where you're at the end of like oh yeah lamborghini has nothing to do with this then it's like oh so they're gonna get sued for the box office of i'm assuming 12 grand half of which is here with us yeah right <laughs> so yeah apparently they're a thing now but my super jelly because he's like hey that was my girl <laughs> It's basically how cold it was, because at this point, he's like doll's eyes. Like, he's like shark-eyed, just not giving a fuck about anything, it seems. And Mateo's like, Julia was the smart one. She said nothing good could come of this. And look what happened. I won 25% of the company. The rest is yours. All right, I'm just going to leave town. Did he get 25% of the company? That doesn't matter, because I was like, what an idiot. Who negotiates that way? It says... I only want 25%. Like, seriously? To be fair, wasn't he basically just the driver? Or was he also an engineer and stuff, too? He was also an engineer. They were both... Okay. They both learned in the military, however true that is. Okay. Supposed to be equal partners in this. And then he's like, I only want 25%. Maybe he's on an island, Barbados or something, and relaxing the rest of the time. He's on the island of Capri. He's got a mansion with his mere 25% for not doing a damn thing. Right? I didn't get it. That was so bizarre. I mean, we we had a good laugh about it because it's like... Who negotiates like that? Like, you're an idiot. Well, and at that time, what would 25% of the company have been worth? Nothing. Zero. I mean, one tire. (laughs) (laughs) A quarter of the steering wheel. So now we start chapter two, the golden years. Don't worry, guys. There's only three chapters in this in this novel. Jumps right to 1963. So we fast yeah. forward quite a bit. And now Frank Grillo's back in the movie. <laughs> He's in his 40s or 50s or whatever now. Looking like an Elvis impersonator at the same time. Good Lord. Totally got the like Elvis Robert Evans vibe from uh, Frank Grillo. <laughs> and then the wife is also the brunette, but it's now Mira Sorvino instead of like yep. some 18 year old Italian chick. They're having a fight because she's like you need to spend more time with your son tonino and he's like my what now my who yeah who? yeah you're like 16 to 24 year old son depending on whatever year it really is oh cool yeah I'll, I'll take him out on the boat or whatever and blah 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 and they have a little chat they never get on that boat because yeah. i assume there were very specific instructions you, you guys do not take this out of the slip that's lamborghini's boat or something or you know somebody's boat and they slapped a lamborghini sticker on it now that like the tractor i think was a legit boat yeah, out of probably. somebody's collection yeah. or a museum or something yeah, 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 yeah there yeah, was yeah. no way they were putting that on the water yeah that's like from like lake arrowhead or something yeah. like where they shot that probably gorgeous boat boat right it looks oh, like yeah. an old bond boat from the 60s or whatever beautiful beautiful piece of but, but they're uh, like don't thing. you even start this thing up no, no. You, you do that shit in post or something you special effects <laughs> you know so we're in the factory now the lamborghini tractor factory right yeah yeah and yeah. did you pick up on the tanya did right away she's like oh god and puts her you know her head in her hands because they start using new york slang we got all the the fajoles and the fungools and like all this like it was like wow okay that's what italian is right like i've seen a scorsese movie i know what's up gabagool dignify this (laughs) gorlami what gets me and i don't know if dan picked up on this 
Ferruccio Lamborghini drives Ferraris. And they talked about how he's got one for every day of the week. And Dan, did you notice the car was actually period appropriate? It was the same Ferrari in a different color as the one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't know if if anybody caught that. So it's a 250 California, right? That said, he's working on the car, right, Dan? He's looking clean as all get out with his lab coat on and all this kind of thing. What is he working on? Well, wasn't it the clutch he was working on at that point? From what angle? Yeah, from the top of the car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I thought that was weird too. I'm like, well, maybe it's, maybe I just don't know my Italian sports cars and they got it all like backwards and upside down. But yeah, no. I don't recall him wearing a lab coat. I thought he was wearing, he had that long, he had that long coat or whatever the hell it was he was wearing. His his science Uh, coat. Either way, he was way too clean to be working on a car. Thousand percent. Yeah. Didn't he have the Kiwi driver friend that showed up like the scene before, dude? Bob Wallace. Bob yeah, Wallace. we're going to get yeah. to that. We're going to get to that. But then again, again, <laughs> this is the thing I took away from this movie is they had a lot of budget for some really good, authentic props. So we got the tractor. We got the boat. We got a 250 California. None of these things are cheap. They might have all came from maybe the same collector or collection. But to me, I was like, all right, that's cool. At least you got that much. I mean, you can rent this kind of stuff in Vegas, I'm sure. But you know. <laughs> it might have actually been a dot and left over from Corvette summer, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so yes, enter the Kiwi, Bob Wallace. Uh, looking this up real quick, Eric, it was a- actually a replica car. Was it really? Uh, okay. It's the internet movie car database that actually shows each of the cars in the scenes. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure it's the same one that they used when he was working on it there, when he pulls up outside when they were testing one of the cars and saying uh, Ferrari 250 Testarossa 59 replica. All right. So we come to the final meeting, Lamborghini V Ferrari. Ferruccio is just hanging outside i guess the ferrari headquarters or whatever and enzo comes out with his you know bodyguard or driver i don't know what exactly but it comes out and he's like Brucio lamborghini you know who i am oh yes you make tractors and air conditioning and eating i've got a dinner appointment forgive me but your clutch does not live up to your car i come as a friend i'm sure you know this i'm not the first to point it out i have a solution if you consider a partnership ferrari lamborghini you make the best cars in the world Go back to your tractors, farmer. I've noticed something with your cars, though. The the, the clutch, uh, it's it uh, sucks the balls, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, weaker than a cannoli, you know? To be fair, <laughs> there are different ways to go about this partnership than just kind of like running up on somebody and being like, yo, yo, your car sucked, but I can help you. It was so skeezy. I mean, it was just like, wow, really? You might as well have been selling him vacuum cleaners and Encyclopedia Britannica's at the same time. But I didn't even take issue with that. It was Enzo gets in a car and drives away. Did anybody notice what Enzo drove away in? Was it a Mercedes? Not a Ferrari. No, no. It was a Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm like, hold on a second. So I had to go back and I talked to some people that know and things like that. And, you know, I I did some fact checking of my own through the community. And everybody says that Ferrari drove himself to and from work every day. And he either drove a Fiat Dino or a Ferrari 330, which he designed for himself as a daily driver. So where the hell did this Rolls Royce come from? (laughs) To be fair, the Ferrari in this story is apparently an 80-year-old Scottish man. There's a different parallel Ferrari that none of us have known about this whole time. This is the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Star Trek time loop continuum thing. Next up, John Delancey shows up as Q. 
and solves all the problems. This is the man in the behind legend. <laughs> a little 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 misquote from the title there. Ah, but, yeah. okay. Oh yeah, he sees the bullfighting art or whatever and has a vision of like, no, and the logo must be the bull. And I'm sure had one made by a artisan for like five million dollars. <laughs> I will say the Lamborghini logo itself is pretty cool. Like whoever designed it, the story behind that would be cool to like investigate and whatever. It is iconic. There's nothing else like it out there. It's pretty wild. And it is true. All the Lamborghinis are named either after bulls or bullfighters. So it's kind of neat, you know, when you look at at least that part of the story, except for the very first Lamborghini, which is just a number. Yeah, the L350 GT or whatever. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, so we get the... The, uh, creation of this the little montage where uh it was fall of 63 and he's got all the people from ferrari and maserati and alfa romeo all coming together working together trying to brainstorm all right we got to do this but we got to make the engine lighter well what if we made it out of aluminum you can't use aluminum it melts too easy like well maybe we can put the things around you know they're brainstorming it's like half the way and and also like i was like oh yeah we're gonna debut this at the geneva car show so that scene was actually pretty cool i don't know if you noticed they did that kind of stop and they added the captions to point out the three engineers that had come from alfa romeo formerly ferrari whatever scaglietti bizzarini and dallara right those are three big names in the italian automotive industry Delara's still around obviously Bizzarini left and he went and created his own car which is very similar to the second car the Lamborghini built all this kind of stuff obviously he had inside baseball on, on what yeah. they were developing and whatnot so I really liked that part I like the fact that they included them and they acknowledged them I know Tanya has a sweet spot for Delara, but I thought that was pretty cool that you had those three people kind of singled out in that particular scene during this montage they like mentioned the headlights flipping up and then he's yeah. like, no, 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 not this time. Save it for the sequel, you know, like basically like save it for the second one. We got to do this in six months for this Geneva show, which again, it's like major time crunch for staking your very profitable tractor business on making a car just because Enzo Ferrari was like, yeah, go back to your tractors, farmer. <laughs> yeah. And then we took it a, a bridge too far and we started talking about side mounting carburetors and all this stuff that completely lost anybody that wasn't into cars. I mean, Dan, come on. I mean, even for us, we're like seriously was it truly that detrimental to the storyline it was like filler is what it was yeah. thousand percent and i was curious about it i was like how much of that legitly done on that car you know because i'm not familiar with italian cars and i was like okay is this something they actually did on that car was it something new at that time i didn't know but i know i was cringing in the back of my mind thinking of like the transform movies where what's your name looks megan fox under the hood and she's like oh yeah your carburetor's stuff. like that's a fuel injected engine there is no carburetor yeah a thousand percent <laughs> You ask my wife anything about Transformers, that's the first thing she'll bring up about any of them is like, oh God, in that first one, Megan Fox looks under the hood and is so full of shit. She doesn't even know what she's looking at. Exactly. And I'm like, oh yeah, was she talking? Mm, Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure I'll be run up on a pike for saying this, but classic car world, everybody has their opinions. I personally do not like the 350 GT. I think it's (gasps) ugly. I don't like the headlights. I don't like its shape. I don't think it's a beautiful car at all. You'd have to well, convince fine. me. You don't get to ride in mine. So what you're saying is you needed the pop-up headlights for it to be cool. It's yeah, so right. iconically Lamborghini <laughs> to have pop-up headlights. He's got pop-up headlights on his Datsun. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
I don't know. For me, it's not my cup of tea. And I'm not saying I'm biased towards something else. It's just I look at the later Lamborghinis and we're going to get to one of the most iconic Lamborghinis. But if you put this picture in front of anybody and took the emblem off of it and said, who do you think made this car? You wouldn't say Lamborghini when you look at it. No, no not no. at all. No, not even close. Like, I have a very specific Lamborghini in mind when I hear Lamborghini. And it's the one that was on every teenager's wall in the 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> the Countach. That's right. <laughs> it's the one in all the rap videos. That It ain't that car. David Hasselhoff. Kung Fury. True Survivor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is the ultimate music video car. I have said it. Doesn't matter what music you put to the Countach. It works. Period. <laughs> Well, I'm going down the bridge and see my sister. Yeah, it works there too. I mean, come on. But the blue car in the Enzo versus Lamborghini race is a Countach. Yeah. And I'll get into the Ferrari they used for this because at first I thought it was one and it's actually something else, but we'll get into that later. (gasps) Uh, so, yeah, so, so there's family drama too because we get a nice little scene where he's i guess having dinner with his wife mira sorvino which was not the name of his second or third wife he had three wives apparently he had three wives he had a second kid whoa oh. what yes he had a daughter patricia oh nobody cares about women these writers <laughs> chat gpt only goes to 2021 it doesn't know these things a lady guinea no 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 not in my story a lady guinea i like that but yeah, the, the, so they're fighting and falling like a crab on the floor of the ocean. I don't know who you thought you married. I married someone who could talk, not only yell. For that, I have bread and I have a lot. I don't even know what they were fighting about other than like, oh, you need to spend more time and blah, blah, blah. But she's just chucking baguettes yeah. at him like over and over again. Pelting him with it. And I like how he just like grabs one off the table. I was like, all right. It was like the reverse <laughs> of that Seinfeld episode, right? I have bread for you. Yeah. Oh, and I fired the blonde you're fucking. Uh, yeah, right? And I'm like, oh my God. Uh. Yeah. In the background, they have these shelves that have like, uh, you know, show they're rich or whatever. I swear to God, it's those plastic shelves you get at Costco that you put in your garage just painted white. And they have his and her wine decanters. And I'm like, that's how you know you're living. There's a little bit of drama with the one designer when he's like uh, talking about the flip up headlights and like, yeah, your design, it's a it's a kind of shit. Uh, All I'm asking is for you to start over and do it again. That's all. That's all. No big deal. You're the best designer. Just start from the beginning and do it again. And then, yeah, the whole thing about the carburetor being too high. They go, well, like, tip it to the side. And Bob wants to test drive it. But who gives a shit? So now it's, like, Christmas. We got to get to Christmas. Because he has, like, a reporter come and, like, interview him on Christmas Eve. And, of course, the wife's like, why? What the hell are you doing this blah, blah, blah? And it's like, it's a special. It's that one thing you never forget. It's like losing your virginity or, you know, shit like that, like, to a reporter. And I'm like, they can't put that on the air. Well, it is Italy, I'm sure. The reporter could take her top off if they really wanted to and be like, yep, yeah, there's a rainstorm coming in the Umbria region. You've seen the game shows then. You you, you oh, got yeah. it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the Senna documentary, like, you know. <laughs> with shusha shusha oh god so okay that's in my opinion the most memorable part of that whole thing is when he's on shusha and uh he's like what is it you want for christmas and he's like i have a faith i can't tell you on the kids show and like whispers in her ear you can basically see the flood watch below her like oh yeah (laughs) we were talking about how like there was some like the family drama and stuff and one thing that stuck out to me at one point was where he was with his son and because his son was like failing classes or something and oh, he like yeah. 
Well, he's like, yeah, I bought this for you because you found it. And he made a comment at the end of that conversation with his son. He's like, yeah, if you keep doing this, I'll get you something else. And it's like, why are you rewarding your child for doing bad? You know, that's just setting him up for failure. He said, if you don't improve your grades, I'll get you a Ferrari. And I'm like, wait. So is the Ferrari the punishment? Because Lamborghini car isn't a thing. And it, I, like, I thought it was like a dig of like, I'll get you a piece of shit Ferrari or something. Right? But it's like, no, wait, he's still working on that first car. Like, what? All messed up. <laughs> is this supposed to be later in the movie? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so are we at the concert at Christmas time? Are we there yet? Uh, okay, we're yeah. It's a Valentine's Day where it was the concert, and I swear to God, it was Yanni up on stage, dude. So Tanya had to look this up because we were like, "Is this guy made up? Is he like some Burt Bacharach wannabe?" It just sounded fake. It seemed fake, but to her credit, he is legitimate, and he's still alive at eighty-four years old. I believe you said eighty-four years old. But yes, Tony <laughs> Rennes was that his name? Yeah, Rennes. Yeah, he is still alive. His real name is Elio. Ch- but I don't know why you go by Tony Rennis. <laughs> too, too many syllables. Tony Rennis. Sounds weird. Rhymes with something else. But that said, <laughs> did you notice as they panned around, they showed him more than once because we were laughing oh. about this. There's a dude, he looks like Fabio's dad. Yeah, that's the guy. I think it's Yanni. <laughs> like, because Yanni like looks like that when he's on tour and stuff like that. Like, it's full blown, like, I swear it's a wig, but it's like the Sam Elliott beard, like, kind of thing. I was like, like it's who a good is look. This guy? <laughs> like, why do we go back to him several times? Yeah, it's, it's like a three minute music video for the worst lip syncing I've ever seen in my fucking life with the like 20 year old kid that's like supposed to be singing the song like it is rough yeah I mean there's so many pieces of this movie you could have deleted you probably wouldn't be left with the movie it could have been like a seven minute short instead of a 95 minute movie or whatever better is like a John Woo film like he did back in the 2000s for BMW like just show the race scene and polish it up and move on Lamborghini he's sitting there we just see him at like a dinner table by himself and scribbling on a napkin like designing the car some hot shit comes over and starts talking to him and he's like oh look i put eyelashes on the car so it's beautiful like you and and of course that's when this wife and the son arrive at the restaurant and see he's flashing a napkin at the lady and of course the wife's like was his name tonino yeah go wait outside go wait outside go wait outside i'm going to fucking kill your father you know that kind of thing the whole falling out and she's like i don't hate you i feel sorry for you and like we're getting divorced and he's like well what about tonino and i, I like how she's like what about tonino right are you suggesting that you're going to have the son you barely talk to away from the mother who has raised him is that what you're suggesting ferruccio and he's kind of like all right good fucking point <laughs> Yeah, get that sack of potatoes out of here, right? I mean, it's like, dude, what a dirt Get the weight off my neck. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, the car he's sketching on the napkin is what becomes the Miura. And one of the most iconic cars of all times that actually set the stage for supercars in general. It is like the original. It is the genesis of supercars as we know them today. If you fact check, Ferruccio Lamborghini didn't design the Miura. It was designed <gasps> by those other three guys those that three we guys, talked about yeah. earlier. I think that's the theme of this movie. He drew some shit on a napkin. Those guys designed cars, yeah. but he's Lamborghini. He's the man behind the legend. And the man behind the legend is just kind of a fucking prick. Right? That's the point of this movie, right? I, that's the what I took away from it. <laughs> I mean, it's Elon Musk before Elon Musk, kind of, right? Like, Musk didn't design any of that shit. 
but guess what? He got fucking rich off it. And he's taking credit for it too, right? So, yeah. yeah. He's the financial backing. He's the emblem. He's the name. Unlike Ferrari and Porsche, which most people do recognize today, are both engineering firms, right? And they always have yeah. been. So it's like a whole different you know, style. I feel like it's sizzle over steak in a lot of ways. Now, granted... <laughs> Lamborghini later, not Lamborghini, the man, the company developed a lot of really cool stuff, some trend setting cars and always kind of breaking the mold. But at this point, he's the new kid on the block. Literally, Lamborghini is still one of the newest Italian car manufacturers because everybody else had started in the early 1900s, be it Fiat, be it Alfa Romeo. Ferrari was the new kid because he was post-war. And then, you know, Lamborghini comes along. So yeah, that brings us to Geneva 1963-ish. I'm not yeah, sure. 64-ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so he's unveiling his new car. I mean, the Muro was built in 1967. So again, we're wrong on the timeline. Yeah, where are we? Well, we'll say right? it's not the Miro that was being released, though, wasn't it? It was the 350 GT. Yes, correct. I was still on the napkins. Sorry. Yeah. Either way, yeah, yeah, Ferruccio yeah. Lamborghini is actually like the 14th Time Lord from Doctor Who. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. Again, again, he's like, I got to go back and make things right. Oh shit, my wife still died. Picture it. Geneva, 1964? Question mark. Sounds good. <laughs> Said Estelle Getty. He's unveiling his car, but he decides he's going to draw a little sketch and have a hot model chick handed off to Enzo Ferrari right before. Who wants to take this part? <laughs> Describe this part. Dan should. I think it was a very agricultural description of the relationship between Ferrari and Lamborghini, wouldn't you say? Wasn't it the bull like mounting the car? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, the bull yeah. mounting the horse. Yeah. 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 Oh, horse yeah the ferrari logo basically being raped by a bull snl celebrity jeopardy moment this is what i expected between sean connery and alex trebek (laughs) that was was a serious suck at trebek moment that's right (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah we cut back to 92 whoa 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 whoa. the best quote of the movie comes out at this point right after he's given the car they unveil the 350 gt and you know they have the woman reporter there and she's talking and you know Ferruccio, what do you think? What do, what do you say? And he goes, To drive a Lamborghini, to own a Lamborghini, you must not be shy. Mr. Lamborghini, I know there are many questions about what's under the hood of this car, but my first question is, what is the price tag of the Lamborghini GT? Oh, what is the price of a beautiful woman? Mm-hmm. A great bottle of wine, a pasta you remember the rest of your life. These things are worth whatever they ask you to pay. You buy a Ferrari when you want to be someone. You buy a Lamborghini when you are someone. And I was like, yeah, all right. And then he drops the mic, uh, whips his dick out, waves it at Enzo a little bit. It was a very hard R moment. This movie was rated R. Oh, shit, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, no shit. There was a blood scene yeah. of, like, whatever what? in the first 20 minutes. God. Okay, so a couple F words and, I don't know, one scene from The Shining. That hardly makes an R movie. <laughs> PG-13, for sure. Yeah, That scene was no PG-13. When the baby comes out of the elevator doors and... <laughs> We're back to 1992. For chapter three, La Fine. Again, remember, 1992, Ferruccio Lamborghini dies in 1993. Yeah, he's on death's door. Right? He's like 80-some years old. Fine, whatever. Enzo's already dead. Keep that in mind. In 1988, he died after the F40 came out. What kills me about this is the two cars that they use in the race. So he's got a Countach, the blue car, and the red Ferrari, which at first I was like, oh, because certain angles and I mistook the hood. I thought it was 
a 308 GT4, which is the predecessor to the car they actually used in the movie, which is one of the ugliest, worst Ferraris like of all time, in my opinion, which is the Mondial Coupe. It is a pathetic 2.9 liter, barely makes over 200 horsepower V8. And then you have this 12 cylinder Countach. Again, we have a dead man in one car. <laughs> Another one that's on death's door. Ghost race. Well, I just have to say the whole time continuum through it. From the first time you see Enzo at the race in the little town to this point when he's in the car. He never he didn't ages. Nope. Not at all. Nah. What the hell? And even if this didn't take place in 1992, it took place earlier. The cars are all wrong. It's just all wrong, right? <laughs> Not only that, I was like, 1992, the Diablo was already out. Yeah. So if anything, they should have replaced the Countach with that. They probably couldn't get one on loan. Fine, whatever. What a freaking mess. Unions going on strike. Oils went up like four times overnight, you know, because of Desert Storm and stuff. Right. What's Ferruccio up to? He's selling the company, giving half to his son and half to his brothers. Remember, he had brothers (laughs) 50 years ago. He's finally like, hey, so we can keep the Lamborghini name you guys can split it amongst yourselves and your families go for it and then he's having dinner with this son and they are just eating carrots and bread you notice that too yeah yeah oh i didn't notice it izzy noticed it and she's like are they only eating carrots and we like when it shows the whole table and there's like five platters of sliced buttered carrots This is when the post-war menu came out. Well, at least the bread was consistent. I mean, we started that way early on. He's got to have that bread with dinner because, you know, he was chucked at his head all the time. So he's telling his son like, hey, you're going to get half the company. And uh, the son's like, was it worth it, Papa? Wait, what? Are we having different conversations right now? Like, And then, yeah, this is where we like go back to that race and find out it was all a dream and blah, blah, blah. And and I'm going to throw this out there. So nothing happened between 1964 and 1992 of interest. (laughs) Except for the birth of one of the second most iconic cars of all time, the Countach, right? I mean, come on. So yeah, basically the Geneva thing where he drew the picture and mic drop, cut to he died 30 years later. That's it. They teased that he was going up against Ferrari. Nothing happened after that, though. Ferrari was just kind of like, whatever, do your thing. I'll do mine. We'll both get rich. Cool. Yeah, nobody knows, right? And and that's just it. There's there's so many holes in that story because Lamborghini didn't really go into racing, not until the modern times because they're backed by Volkswagen, Porsche, and Audi. So it's a whole different thing. So Ferrari was always about racing. It was always Formula One. And, you know, you know the stories like, you know, Ford v. Ferrari, Le Mans, Rush, which is the, you know, the James Hunt, Nicky Lauda story. It involves a Ferrari. There's always a Ferrari involved. You don't see Lamborghini out there, right? You, because they were building these high class sports cars. Let's call them that. But they sort of only built one model at a time. You know what yeah. I mean? So they were all these evolutions. So when they stopped producing the Mura, then Diablo or something. Well, like then that. the Jalpa came along and then the Countach came along. And then it's like they would have these little runs and then they would sunset a car and then start another one. Because really as an outfit, they were never as big as Alfa Romeo or Fiat, which backed Ferrari and those groups. So they were a boutique manufacturer, right? They could only build basically one car at a time. Then he steps outside. He's, of course, at the family vineyard there in uh, Cento, in Italy, rubbing his hands in the dirt. And then he's just looking at pictures of earlier in the movie and some random sketches. (laughs) So what got me about that scene is if you spent any time watching Picard, Uh I was like, did they lift this? It's, It's really Patrick Stewart's hands touching 
touching the dirt on you know yeah. Chateau Picard or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is such a ripoff of stuff we've already seen. It's lit exactly the same way, like lens flares, but also like dark filter, like yep. very lush. Every scene of the vineyard, yeah, I was thinking of Picard. I was waiting for him to pop around the corner. There's a Romulan in the background somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Riker pops out of nowhere, like, hello, Captain. Hello, number one. <laughs> so they're seeing uh, publicity stills from earlier in the movie. Hops in his uh, Lamborghini Mira, starts thinking about his first wife and taking the loan out and Mateo and all the other bullshit we already forgot about long ago because he forgot long ago because it's 60 years ago. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about him for the first time. We get a little thing that pops up saying like, oh, yeah, the... It was the MoMA. It was the Museum of Modern Art. Said the Mira is the most beautiful car in the world world roll credits yeah right beautiful car i think we can all agree the mura's up there with the jaguar e-type and a bunch of the old ferraris and stuff like that it's a gorgeous car there's no contesting that but i took issue with the scene the sound was wrong i mean that's a v12 it's a screamer it has a very unique sound because of the way that car's built and all that kind of stuff and if you ever want to hear one the sound is actually more right because there's a very similar scene to the scene we saw in this movie at the beginning of the original italian job so so they tried to sort of play off that where the guys slow roll in the Mura through the country, you know, mountain road there. And I saw that and I was like, man, when does Michael Caine step out you know, in a truck and try to steal the car or something like it was a good sort of ending, but I felt like I'd seen it before, but then the audio was wrong and it, it didn't help that car in any way to really kind of give it that ferocity that a Lamborghini has, because even the Countach is quite shrill and it, it gets under your skin and it would have been cool but I figured they were probably dragging that car with piano wire at like five miles an hour because it barely looked like he was moving. Yeah. And if it was a real Mura, I mean, that's a seven-figure car easily. I mean, good on them, right? Unless it's a yeah. kick car on Dan's list. Oh, it's all CGI. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and a big thing about it is like, you guys were saying like the ending where he just starts driving off. It's like when I was watching this movie, when it comes to the end, that's all? It, it just like comes to an end and you're like, what the hell? It's like you're left with so many more questions you started with him yeah opinion. yeah it's like so wait what that's it that's where yeah. we're gonna leave off in 1992 on the death store it's the roll credits i think we got eric's review the sounds were all wrong that's his only note oh yeah that's my only <laughs> no, <I'm> note <laughs> so why don't you hit us with some stats what did the oh. critics think of this stellar oh right right before we get into that would you guys recommend this movie no no i would recommend a refund oh. everybody's shaking their head and or leaving the chat so yeah i'm gonna think that as a no i i would have I'm, to on, agree. I'm on the fence about it because <laughs> here's the thing how many times did you watch it that's the bigger question oh yeah there we go once here's the thing knowing this information now i would have never watched it to begin with but yeah. going into it blind and ignorantly it was entertaining it was telling a story even though yeah. the story was apparently this guy's an asshole that stuck out more than anything i was like this guy is such a freaking toll if you want to watch a movie like this but is actually done well there will be blood that's how you do it yeah. <laughs> and that's probably more based in reality too it's the thing like uh, they actually use I don't know, dates and facts and figures and it's told in a nice operatic matter. This one's kind of messy. Yeah, I, I can't recommend it. What do you guys think the Rotten Tomatoes score on this one is from the critics? I mean, if it's single digits, it's a lot. 27%. <laughs> It low is all I can imagine. Tanya, you won. 7%. One positive review out of 15 from top critics. Wow. But as we say on our show, nobody gives a fuck about the critics. What about that audience score? Oh, ooh, ooh. 
did anybody actually watch it other than the critics and us? I think there was like a hundred or so reviews or something on there. That's more than I would have expected. This can go two ways. There's the crowd of people that watched it. They would know nothing about it Mm -hmm. and probably would give it a mediocre score. Then there's the people that would watch it and knew a little bit and would poop all over it. And then there's the third option, which is when I sit down with people at a bar and they say, oh, you're a car guy. You know, I saw that Lamborghini movie, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's all crap. And they're like, what do you mean it's all crap? I was like, did you see the disclaimer at the end? Well, yeah, that's that first group of people. They're all going to believe it. And that's the the travesty. Exactly. It's terrible. What's that number then? It's got to be less than 10%. I'll be optimistic and say 20. 12. Dan's closest 25 with the audience. Wow. Not not good. With the audience score, it's tough to get into single digits. Like we've only done maybe three movies on our podcast that specializes in bad movies that have been in single digits. Wow. I think the lowest I saw was we watched was 3%. (laughs) (laughs) To its credit, there isn't a lot of information on the Lamborghini story. It's not like you can go to autobiography on Motor Trend or go to Seduced by Speed or any of those types of mockumentary type of things that they've put together, even on the noted automobile channels and stuff. So it's sort of like Lamborghini has been untouched for so long. It's like stories handed down from his family, basically, or, you know, like news clippings, but it's basically them blowing Lamborghini like, oh my God, the greatest, most beautiful cars ever. Italian treasure so it's yeah maybe this is the attempt to fire a shot across the bow Lamborghini is now owned by Volkswagen Audi group right so maybe to get their attention and say you need to do something to fix this we need to right a wrong here and produce a real film because again there's plenty of documented movies and and other things about the Ferrari story, about the Porsche story, et cetera. But Lamborghini just seems to always be off to the side. And I don't want to say forgotten because they're realistically iconic. It's good that somebody went out on a limb and did something. But to Tanya's point, if you had just followed the Wikipedia, you would have had (laughs) a much better film. I mean, there's still people alive that were intimately involved with the beginnings of Lamborghini. So they must know how he was, who he was and what went down. I mean, Delara, as an example, is still with us. So is the other guy you mentioned, Bazzini, Barini. Bizzarini, yeah. Bizzarini, he's still alive too. <laughs> I think that we, what we need to have done is the like the two engineers that were involved with the beginning stuff, we need to have like a reaction video of them watching this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That would be... Perfect. And that sounds interesting. Maybe we'll get it in the sequel. No, we probably won't because I think this costs more than its 1.6 million worldwide gross. I don't know where that would have come from, but $6 at a time, people watching it on uh, Amazon or Voodoo or whatever. <laughs> what It really grossed that much? That's surprising. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of surprising to me too. So maybe it was like released in Italy. That's what, and oh, so many angry Italians with pitchforks over there, like, no, it's the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. As I mentioned, there was one lone positive review of this movie. Would you guys be interested in hearing it? Yes, please. It comes from uh, Eddie Harrison of FilmAuthority.com. A stripped down but appropriately stylish and personal tribute to a man whose passion for cars changed the way we drive. Three out of five. That's the one positive review of this movie. And it's still like, it was okay. Yeah, the middle of the road is the best. That's sad. Top critic Robert Abel of The Rap said, pamphletized biopic that does the easy thing, beautifying Italy and vintage automobiles, but stalls with everything involving humans. 
And top critic, Mortada Alfaro of the AV Club. Fortunately, the movie is only 97 minutes long, but even this grace note comes at a cost to the viewer. The end of the story comes out of nowhere as if the filmmakers ran out of money and stopped shooting before they were really done. D. So Tanya did say that when we were watching the film, because at one point we paused because it was, you know, building up to Geneva and we're like, wow, this is going to take a while. If the end goal here is to get to 92, like we got a ways to go. So for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was get a snack or a bottle of water. It was like pause. And then we're like, dang, we're 80% of the way through the movie. Like this thing's almost over. (laughs) Here's the thing. Geneva should have been like the second act, like the rise to glory and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the fall or, you know, at least the battle with Ferrari coming after him and there's low points and actual character growth and blah, blah, blah. Nope. We just cut to 30 years later when he died so bizarre chapter three was more like the thank you note at the end of a book flatline thanks for reading yeah 100 percent. by yeah. lamborghini you know exactly exactly <laughs> but we got some more of that awesome race and you know him pushing model cars on his desk which didn't understand oh, that Jesus. either the imagery there the metaphor i mean what? but guys do you know who was originally cast to be in this movie oh ooh, this um, ought to be good as ferruccio both as ferruccio lamborghini it was going to be Played by Antonio Banderas. <laughs> All right, cool. I mean, if Frank Grillo, let's go with that. In the role of Enzo Ferrari, Alec Baldwin. No. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, this was more than a year ago when they were Free shooting Russ. this. <laughs> he wasn't making westerns. And, you know, whatever. That would have turned out like framing John DeLorean. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. He would have reprised the role of El General from 30 Rock. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, all right. Fine. Then, If you guys were casting a a real Lamborghini movie, who would you have as Lamborghini and uh, Enzo Ferrari? I don't know. Based on this picture of Ferruccio, Alec Baldwin with dyed black hair actually might have been a better Lamborghini. I would go with Wayne Newton for Ferruccio because they got Stop. the same style in the hair. He still spray paints his hair black. And I think for Ferrari, I would have pulled the dude from Ford versus Ferrari because nobody remembers who the hell he is. His name is Remo. Remo Jerome. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I remember him being really good. What was the Timothy Dalton movie where Wayne Newton was the bad guy? License to Kill. Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a great flick. Actually. White suit <laughs> and the pompadour. I'm telling you. Wayne's too old and had too many plastic surgeries. I feel like they could have cast anybody in this movie there's a whole country of italians just saying yeah yeah roberto benini as enzo ferrari would have been more convincing i would have replaced mia sorvino too because it was like she just felt out of place in this movie i absolutely agree she should be marissa tomei you know that's a good call actually (laughs) they did a good job pairing the younger version of her with mia sorvino so whoever they found that actress who was a no-name basically i was like okay i can see the transition you aged her up gracefully it just didn't fit at the end of the day i was totally expecting adrian brody to come back later in the movie right <laughs> as mateo or whatever no 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 that dude took his 25 percent and went away yeah he's in argentina or something but i'm like yeah what happened to that guy like what's his story he probably never existed that is probably true too he probably represents like the other investor in lamborghini whoever it may have been or he whatever, represents besides... the 25 percent of the audience that like this movie 
yeah mateo loves this fucking movie that's basically it <laughs> he's the only person in this movie that loved it even the dad was kind of like eh, two out of five. Oh, and guys we got to find out because i don't know if you know this we're on a podcast called everything i learned from movies what did we learn from lamborghini the man behind the legend well, I didn't learn anything. What I learned was through Wikipedia that he had other <laughs> children and grandchildren. I also did not learn much, but the fact checking is important and you shouldn't use chat GPT to write a screenplay. I just got confused. I didn't learn anything. I just got confused. <laughs> what did you learn, Steve? I learned that those Danish cookie tins have been around forever and they were like, they were basically the equivalent of like mason jars buried in the backyard in Italy. <laughs> Find those on Oak Island soon too. Right. <laughs> Native Americans used these for centuries before the white man came over. Like, how the fuck did they get them? And they're still Dansk brand, too. There's only one manufacturer of those shortbread cookies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, that being said, folks, if you enjoyed our review of this extremely terrible movie, you can find a lot more of them with Steve and Izzy over at Everything I Learned From Movies. So, Steve, tell the audience how they can get a hold of you guys. Oh, of course, we're on all the major podcatchers under Everything I Learned From Movies, where you can hit us up directly on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon at E-I-L-F Movies. That's Everything I Learned From Movies. It's a little better when Izzy's here and we can harmonize when I say that. Mm-hmm. For the next couple of months, we just started here in February. We're reviewing porns because we drew the theme of porn month that was suggested to us. Actually, just today, our episode for Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls just dropped. And man, oh man, was that fun. So if you want to hear Izzy almost vomit in some scenes, listen to those episodes or come back to our regularly scheduled bullshit when we start Marky March talking about Mark Wahlberg movies and then April and May. You guys may really be interested in May because we're talking stunt movies. And so we're going to see a lot of fucking cars doing cool shit and blowing up. Oh, that's time to invite us back. That's right. (laughs) You know what I'm happy, though, is we found a new movie that we could all review together. It follows suit. It is terrible. So this is great. So now we get to look forward to whatever the next one is. Absolutely. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization. And our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.